Hello and welcome to JudgeCast. This is episode 293. I'm one of your hosts, Brian Prilliman, and I am joined this evening, afternoon, morning drive to work by the one and only Charles Feather. Hello, I'm Charles Feather, and I'm here to help you today. And today's episode, <laughs> uh, we are going to be talking about large event customer service. And to do that, we have brought on one Mr. Marco Sanchez. Hello, how are you, sir? Very good. How are you guys? Doing all right. We're we're great. So long as we I stay off that. the so long as we stay off the twitters, we're uh, we're good. Is Twitter's bad today? Oh yeah, I don't like hanging around in dumpster fires. So I know that we're recording in advance, and this will have been forgotten by the world by the time that this actually releases. Yeah. But yes, Twitter's been bad today. Mm-hmm. I kind of want to make Twitter gossip. <laughs> you know, is is it bad? I was like, God, dish, give me, give <laughs> it, me. It, in a nut in a nutshell there was a sh- a video of a shuffling cheat revealed today and the discourse Ooh. has been less than um without problems yes oh. yeah so well then i know what i'm going to be doing after the episode tonight but oh, i've got i've got links <laughs> but enough of that enough talking about twitter twitter is not our guest tonight marcos is so marcos why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself yes that's me uh so I am Marcos from currently in New Rochelle, New York, uh, formerly of the Midwest out in the Fort Wayne, Indiana region. Uh, Started playing Magic, I mean, technically back when I was maybe eight or ten years old. The classic, you know, had no idea what I was doing, played with cards on concrete with no sleeves and didn't really care what was happening kind of Magic where rules don't actually exist. Uh, But then came back to the game in 2013 around Gate Crash. Fell in love with the game again and started getting into judging around 2015 and been judging pretty consistently ever since. Cool, cool. And uh, when you say judging uh, consistently, what sort of events do you do? Uh, I typically have, I mean, it depends on where I am in my uh, judge career. Earlier on, I was doing everything. It was FNM, it was PPTQs, it was SCG Opens and Grand Prix. Nowadays, it's much more reserved to Magic Cons. Uh, haven't even done an RCQ in my new region since I moved out here. So uh, mainly the much larger convention-style tournaments. Okay, cool, cool. All right, so then you are quite versed. And this was a topic that you had actually pitched to us, uh, or mm-hmm. pitched to Charles, correct? Yeah, yeah. We were at uh, SCG New Jersey up near New York. And we were chit-chatting in the back office area or the or the judge room. And Marcus came to me and he said, I have an idea for a show. And I said, well, that's that's the starting point. So what do you want to talk about? <laughs> and and uh, we uh, are here now as a result. Yeah. Char- Char- OK, I'm going to I'm going to give a little bit of behind the curtain stuff for a second, because when Charles told me about that, I was like, he did it the right way. Because <laughs> I I. When people come up and they're like, hey, can I be on JudgeCast? And I go, maybe. What do you want to talk about? And they go, uh, well, anything really. Then the answer immediately becomes no. <laughs> so if, you, if you're Sounds like... Sounds about right. Yeah. So if you come up and just like, I have a topic uh, that I'd like to talk about, and here's why I'm qualified to talk about it, then, oh, well, well, that's content, right? <laughs> but <laughs> you're just like, oh, well, just... I want to. I want to just be on JudgeCast to be on JudgeCast. The answer is no. 
and like I was any meeting... job. Make sure you bring something to the table. Right. And right. I might actually, when editing this podcast, cut that particular part out because I do. <laughs> that is my gatekeeping. <laughs> the flurry. The I flurry. Gate... <laughs> yes. I do use that to gatekeep. Deal with it. <laughs> Fair. All right. It's a good bar to set. Yeah. All right. So, Charles, do you want to kick us off? Uh, so, what we want to do today is we want to just talk about the differences between large event customer service and small event customer service. And, in fact, really focus on what happens in large events um, as opposed to small events. Uh, they're different than working in an LGS, obviously. We have more players. We have more tiers. We have uh, a different scale. And that affects our ability uh, to provide customer service. We're more individual cogs in a much larger watch in a large event. And that is important to keep in mind. Um, with this, communication is a key. There is intentional thought behind words and phrasing. You can't just direct somebody to go to the other end of the room and see um the tall judge that's working in the corner, you have to actually either guide them over there yourself, or you have to make sure they know exactly where they're going when you send them somewhere. That's just one example. There Unless are many they end more. up at the vape convention next door. And yeah, the vape convention next door. That's, I saw pictures of that recently. That was hilarious. Uh, and also <laughs> something here that we have to keep in mind, and we'll talk about it a, a lot as we go through this, is that the customer's not always right but they're still what? the cust but they're still the customer. So we need to identify what the underlying issue may be, what the main concern is, ask additional questions, not just what they're asking you. Try and piece it all together so that you know the best way to help them or sometimes tell them that they can't be helped, but that's a very rare instance. So, that's what we're going to try and get through tonight as we talk about large event customer service. All right. Absolutely. And when it comes to that uh, idea of, especially when you're talking to a, a customer, in this instance, a player, whoever you're interacting with, they're really great at identifying a problem, but not necessarily communicating the actual problem, maybe just the symptom that they're seeing. And I think that's really important to point out too, but we'll dive into that a little deeper soon. Sure, sure. So what's customer service? Oh boy. I'd like to ask you both what you define customer service as because my background is very focused in uh, specifically customer service jobs and, and customer facing jobs. Uh, I'm really curious to hear how you both define it before I throw out my definition. Uh, all right. So I'll, I'll take a stab at it. And I'm more or less like pragmatic and, and minimalist. It's just basically help or assistance or advice that you are giving the customer of a particular product and in this particular case it's the people it's the people in the venue like so customer service entails you know talking to them with a judge call you know making sure that the if the, you don't if you actually still have pairings board the pairings boards can be reached making sure that rounds turn around in a timely manner. Like the whole thing focused on providing the customers a positive experience and resolving issues or concerns that might come up. Wow. I have to go, I have to go, I have to go after that. Oh, I guess. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to say that it's essentially everything that does not have something to do with tournament operations directly. Um, It is making sure that that. 
making sure that the customers are taken care of, that we view players as customers and not exclusively as players, um, and that we mm. we identify their needs and do our best to meet them when we can. So that's, that's interesting because I actually don't view players as my customer. I view... Who is your customer? I view the TO as my customer and my product is ah. happy players. That's that's another mm-hmm. way of looking at it. I think that's that's entirely valid. That's awesome because you both touched on a lot of things that go into... If I were to go on a overall summary, mm-hmm. that's pretty much how I highlight it. Uh, I love that you pointed out that the players are not necessarily... They may... I think it's good to think of a player as a customer, but I also think it's good to recognize you don't just have one customer that you are attempting to work with when you're an independent contractor at a large event. Uh, you're being contracted to also provide a service to the tournament organizer, and that's something really important to keep in mind too, and there's going to be a balance there. Um I guess if I were to summarize customer service as a whole, specifically in this context of large event customer service, I'd boil it down to making sure that you enable a positive experience for your players. The reason I put in enable in there is because you have a lot of power through things like proper planning and foresight and recognizing potential issues and addressing them to be able to enable that positive experience. So that a player or a customer does not have to worry about where's the pairings board? How do I get to my next match? What's even going on around here? Uh, but also keeping that in mind that you're enabling that positive experience for the players because that is also the service that you are providing to the tournament organizer that brought you in, which in some of these larger events can be very competitive and you really have to make sure that you're holding up your end of the bargain when they even bring you into these events. That's an interesting statement. Holding up your end of the bargain, I, I, and and taken with what Brian said earlier, it's it's absolutely true. Yeah, these events can get very competitive, and I mean, I'll go back to some of the older GP days when there weren't even as many judges as there are nowadays. You would find plenty of very very well qualified judges getting declined for these larger Grand Prix or even now larger Magic Cons or just any large convention style event. When you would think, oh, why wouldn't you want to have that person there? But there is a hard line that has to be cast somewhere, and it can get really difficult to get onto some of these events, especially if you don't have a lot of that experience, or maybe in the past you weren't able to bring that kind of level of service that that tournament organizer may want. Yeah, it's it's kind of interesting. In the old days, okay, and we're, we're talking like pre-2014 era, Getting on staff for the large events was a lot of times not just a factor of how good of a judge you were, but it was also seen as a reward for maybe local community work or project work or something like that. You could get staffed for a large magic event for reasons that had nothing to do with your skill on the floor of an event. And Mm -hmm. what happened was when tournament organizers started having to pay judges real dollars instead of uh, Watsy funny money, the tournament organizer suddenly was like, no, 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 it actually really matters. The, and the focus started to shift from it was a reward for what judges did to the, for the judge community that helped get them on staff sometimes, not, not, clearly not all the time, but to no, 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 how good is this person at the events? So there's been a shift over the last nine years, you know, discounting two and a half years for pandemic, but towards that 
And to those listeners out there that have had a difficult time breaking through the wall of being staffed on a large event, and it's something that you want to do, uh, in your judge application, you're the next one that you send out. A little tip is to sit there and say, hey, I listened to JudgeCast or I listened to an episode on large event customer service, and I think I can help deliver what you're looking for. And give an example. If you just say like, exactly. I'm good at customer, mm-hmm. if I'm good at customer exactly. service, that sentence means nothing to me. But but this is something that I'm working on, and this is a personal growth area, and and so on. You know, it doesn't right. have to be. It doesn't have to be this terrible long winded explanation. Yep. These two paragraphs, but if you mention it, it does help to break down the barrier. Yeah. If if you're if you're a judge and you're like, I'm good at customer service. That's sort of like saying, see that wheel? It's round. Like I kind of expect <laughs> expect that. Um, so give me yep. give me examples. You know, if a yeah. judge came that's up and was I like. Mean, Oh, sorry. Go on. No, 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 please. I was like, if a judge came up and was like, I'm terrible at customer service, but I'm really good at rules. Be like, eh, eh. Well, at least eh. you know your limitations. I mean, do I have a yeah. spot for, do I have a spot for rules nerd over in the corner? Um, Maybe. And you know what? That might be for the right tournament. For example, some of these larger events, they have a regular REL side and they have some zones or areas that are dedicated to competitive REL where maybe... The priority in that area is expert level rules knowledge, in which case, yeah, go forth and do awesomely there. But please try to learn a little something while you're there, too, about customer service. Okay, so large events, how is what is an example of something that is different from your LGS to a large event in terms of what I mean, because we're taking you out of out of the store where, you know, you might have a very good close working relationship with the to and you get to be you know god king of your own little little you know uh 20 by 30 area for a while so what's what's different i think there one thing that really comes to mind is exactly that the the empowerment to just do whatever you feel is right in the moment almost without regard i don't want to say fully without regard for what it means to everything else around you because obviously you have to take some of that into consideration but you know, are you empowered to just do the right thing or are your hands kind of tied and you're part of a larger machine where, you know, maybe at your LGS, yeah, you also are an employee there. I used to work at a local game store and I was enabled to run the register and do things like give a player a refund if they had pre-registered for an event, but we had to start it and they didn't show up until 20 minutes into the round and didn't want to take the loss. I could give them that refund, but... If you're working at a larger convention, you're definitely not handling any money at any of these larger conventions, unless maybe they're specifically empowering you to do so as part of the tournament information customer service desk specifically. And in that case, you're not running around on the floor taking calls and doing other stuff. You're you're doing it. You were hired to do a very specific task. Exactly. Exactly. Now... There's levels of that, like, uh, for example, the most recent event that I worked was MagicCon Philly a few weeks back, and one thing about that that I really enjoyed was there was a point, I believe it was on uh, Saturday, when Saturday or Sunday, where they actually enabled some of the block leads to give out what would basically be like a, a reward for doing something great prize ticket that basically equated to a pack at the prize wall. But for example, I had a player who came up to me and was able to make sure that their last match opponent got their prize tickets for participation that they had left at the table. I see that. I go, hey, I want to reward you for doing that. So 
cool i'm gonna make sure these prize tickets get to your last round opponent thanks for letting me know that and by the way here's a little something for you because i want to encourage that kind of behavior in my event to make sure that everybody's getting a more positive experience you did it but you disney don't always get that moment? kind of empowerment disney magic moment surprising <laughs> and delighting <laughs> all right Okay, so that is something that uh, you were empowered to do at um, Magic MagicCon Philly. Now, obviously, that's something that the TO bestows upon you that particular boon, as it were. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. <laughs> I have the power. So you've got a large number of, of moving pieces with uh, side events and schedules and, and stuff like that. When you're bouncing around... Uh, what is something to keep in mind? Or did I misread what this bullet means? No, no, you're good. Okay. Um, so, so for something like a larger convention floor, you have a lot more than your 20, 30 square feet of lordship that you have over your tournament. And you may have to be part of a larger system, kind of like Charles alluded to earlier, where... You have to make sure that this event that you are scheduled to head judge launches at the correct time. And if you don't, that can be a problem for hundreds of players. Now, in that moment, if you have somebody coming up to you going, hey, I need help with registering for this event that's in an hour. Definitely something that is important, not as urgent as what I'm working on in the moment, though. And I have a box of product that I have that I can't just drop to go walk you across the convention hall. So there's going to be a lot of moving pieces that you kind of have to work within and work around because you don't have that power to just snap your fingers and make things happen. You have a strict schedule of when your events have to launch. You have to make sure that breaks are being taken care of and that you're taking your breaks. Uh, You have to make sure that judges are where they need to be or maybe you're on a really important task that's really time-sensitive and you see somebody looking lost and you just can't stop your momentum to address why they're looking around with a confused look on their face. Now, what you can do in that particular case, though, is because judges, there tends to be judges wandering around. If you see something that you can't necessarily deal with, you probably, though, can see another judge and call the issue to their attention. Because odds are probably good that you aren't both working something time critical. Absolutely. I think the idea of judge calls not just being for players, especially at large events, that judge call gets every head in about a 300-foot area turning in your direction. And if you see a judge nearby, feel free to holler judge yourself to grab their attention and point them where they need to go. Hey, here's a lost player. I have something super urgent and time sensitive that I'm running to the stage, well, power walking to the stage <laughs> to try to handle. Sauntering. And so here's sauntering enthusiastically to the stage to handle. Swing your arms. Uh, but here's a player who needs help right now. Judge, you're free. Great. Go help this player. They are very important right now, just as much as this other thing I'm doing. But that doesn't mean that I can do it all. You know, you know, you're not Superman at these events. There's no way you can handle the the scale of these large events on your own. And, and this extends beyond just helping a player that looks lost or, or confused at the moment. You could be working in an area, taking a call, hear another call happen, you know, a few tables over or whatever, and there may be no other judge in the immediate immediate area, and they may not hear it. 
So, you know, calling attention to situations like that are also important and fall under the basic realm of customer service, making sure that that table is being taken care of. Yeah, 100%. Uh, to former JudgeCast host Jess Dunks' credit, I remember an event where Jess was actually a player inside events, and there was no judge for what seemed like a country mile, and there was a judge call just sitting there, and he barked out his lattice military judge I've ever heard, and you better believe it brought over two or three judges to help out right away, and it was just because of that extra uh, call for help. Uh, but I definitely recognize that those those moments where you see a judge call 10 feet to your right, but you are so in the zone that you have to go do this other thing, there's a part of that that pains me to walk past this person who I can be helping, but I need to have the wherewithal to focus on what I need to handle right now. Because if I don't, that's going to affect dozens or even hundreds of players and their event being able to maybe turn over on time. Maybe all these players can't get to their next event that they scheduled their weekend meticulously to attend because you decided to help this one person out over taking care of the event that you're in charge of. Right. And again, that that helps you remember that the TO is also your customer. For example, if you are guarding product that is getting ready to be passed out <laughs> for an event, all right, and you go take a call way down yonder because, oh, it's good customer service, and then you come back and there's some boxes missing from your cart, well, oh no! Yeah, you just you just created another customer service problem. So mm-hmm. uh, now, in that particular case, no, you you stay you stay at your post. Um, but if you are going out to swoop for deck checks, and you are waiting to swoop on table ninety three, and there is a judge call three tables down, and you look around and there's no one else to take it, go go, go take that call. You know that deck check. Yeah. That deck check can wait. So there is. You yeah, are empowered to make s- certain decisions like that. And if you and if you miss it, well, then you're doing de- table ninety four. You know, you you are, yep. un- unless there's a very very specific reason, like you are deck checking table ninety three because you suspect the player of cheating or something along those lines. Mm-hmm. If you can't handle it, you find someone who can, and you you probably tip table ninety three off to to what you're doing though. true although in those instances i would hope you'd bring a friend but sure sure but sometimes you don't because your partner's pulling lists or something along those lines and Um, if if you happen to make a little deviation in what you were assigned to do um be sure to you know advise your team lead a few minutes later that's where communication comes into play as well you want to make sure that they're aware hey i did not get the thing done that you assigned me to do but i was doing this instead uh, those are yeah. always important conversations to have so that they're aware that you didn't just flake out and not do what was necessary at the time. Absolutely. And when it comes to that also, think about that pain that you feel when you can't necessarily jump in on this call that you're walking past because you have something else that's really important. That is kind of the context that you have to think about when you're looking at a larger event in general, uh, especially compared to your LGS. At your LGS, you're the superhero that can stand up from your match when you're playing an FNM. Go handle two judge calls, come right back, and still transfer your opponent 2-0, right? But in the context of a larger event, there's so much more that is just outside of any one person's scope. You can encounter any number of formats. You can handle... You can see an RCQ on the right side of the aisle and a 
mystery booster grand melee plane chase event on your left side of the aisle and have to be prepared to handle a call that could come from either side. And that's challenging. And that kind of changes what customer service can mean. Does that mean you have to make sure that this ruling gets uh, precisely handled in this RCQ where something really valuable is on the line? Or are you going to go and celebrate when somebody opens a really crazy card and just did this weird combo to combo out the entire Grand Melee? Yeah. Also, occasionally, if you do get a judge call at one of these large events where there's multiple events going on, asking when you come over there and acknowledge the players, asking what event this is, is sometimes <laughs> sometimes super helpful. Because um, if, if, yeah. if you can't necessarily tell, um, there was... There was one event, uh, it was an SCG event, where we called a time in a modern event, and uh, one of one of the judges at one of the legacy events beside it sat down and did end of round for one of the for the players in the legacy <laughs> event because they didn't oh, no. ask, they didn't they got a judge call and then they just finished sitting on that match and they didn't bother to ask what event it was. <laughs> oh, that's awkward. Right. He just comes up with this. He's like, I got the slip for table like 300. And I was like, our event only goes up to 250. And he looks at the slip. <laughs> he's like, uh-oh. But there, that's, that's a great example of, yeah, making sure that you are giving the right kind of customer service based off of where you are. And yeah, you make a great point. Yeah. Sometimes you need to check where are you right now? What is actually happening? Because... Right. For example, Dr. Judge might not go over as well on the Mystery Booster Sealed Competitive REL event that's happening on that Sunday. I've taken calls of competitive in the outfit. It goes over okay. <laughs> kind of. No. It, um, kind definitely, of. Definitely. They don't I'm, appreciate the doctor. No. Definitely, I'm, I'm more limited in my focus when I'm doing that. Um, and it's to everybody's advantage, I think. Mm-hmm. So, communication, right? That's a thing that's important. Hmm? I would say so. Yeah. All as right. we say in a purely yeah. audio podcast format. It is, and this is this is one of one of the things where at large events, okay, communication is super important at any any event. Like if your event is delayed, okay, it's extremely important to communicate to the players why the event is delayed now the form that that takes changes depending on whether or not you're at your lgs or at a at a big event at your lgs if you are having problems with event link you can just tell the players hey we're having a problem with event link at larger events you might need to take a cue from the tournament organizer like they're the ones who are going to be determining what information is or is not appropriate to share so your your job is still to communicate but you might not necessarily control the content of the message does that make sense yeah absolutely um in in fact i i look at it this way i think that communication at your lgs is often linear um you go down or you go up in your message chain and it's a very direct line you either go up to your to and you say hey we have a problem with this or hey can you help me with this uh, particular matter where you go down and you tell the players, hey, players, it's time to start round one, or we're going to have a delay. When you're actually doing this on the floor of a uh, GP-sized event or, or a mid-sized large event, um, 
oftentimes there's a, a whole tree of paths that you could go on depending upon what the particular customer service issue is. And, and communication there is really important, not only in the message that you have, but who you talk to, right? Yeah. There was years and years ago at the side events of one of the pro tours. This is one of the last pro tours with side events. It was like the first modern one. They had DCI Reporter, which was the tool before were. Um, it ate three events, three very large events. Mm -hmm. And the scorekeepers had to rebuild all of the events off of match slips by hand. Mm -hmm. And there was only like one or two of them. And these were these were multi-hundred person events. And it caused like a two, three hour delay. One of the worst bits of information was, was and I, I, I'm going to say this because because communication, players are asking judges what's the deal. And judges weren't able to get information from the scorekeepers. The scorekeepers were basically giving the response of, we'll fix it when we fix it. Like, there was no ETA. And one of the things that makes people the antsiest is not knowing. Like, if you think about it, when you get a text message mm -hmm. or when you you send someone a message and then you just see those little three dots bouncing up and down and then they just <laughs> keep bouncing and keep bouncing and you're just like, all I asked was a yes or no question. I don't know why this is taking so long. And they just keep going and then they stop and then they start back up again and you still haven't gotten a reply. You get really nervous and really antsy because you don't know what's going on. Players are the same way. So if you can alleviate that, funnily enough, judges are also the same way. Communicate what you can, and if there's a change, like if you say the event is going to be back in an hour, then if it's not going to be an hour after, you know, 10 minutes to that hour, you need to start changing the message, right? Don't wait until two hours after say, hey, you know, when I said it was going to be an hour, oh, it's, it's looking like three, because they could have gone and got some food. Uh, I think one key component there that I want to highlight is you're setting the expectations for the players. And it's you who has the responsibility to manage those expectations throughout the entirety of whatever is happening. Because when we talk about customer service, it could be anything as small as just like, oh, I don't like how this call was handled. You gave me an attitude to, uh, you know, GP Charlotte, which I was on staff for. And I think Charles was going to mention Yes, <laughs> uh, that also ate a few rounds and shut down the event for literal hours at about the same time that you just mentioned, Brian. Mm -hmm. And there we had to do a lot of managing of expectations. And there, if you think about your LGS versus a convention hall that had, what was it, four or 5,000 people in it, mm -hmm. how do you communicate that message in a way that actually can reach everybody and is legible? You have to really be intentional with your words you have to be very specific and honestly sometimes you have to be very deliberate about when you start communicating that message to begin with uh, i'll give you a specific example that came from uh, again i'm going to go back to philly for this one from MagicCon. there i was uh leading a team and that we were running and launching one event on friday morning it was the very first event of the day 11 a.m doors had opened uh, a few minutes beforehand starting our 11 a.m. event. We get to our build. It's a limited event. And then as we're waiting to start the pairings for round one, well, event link actually ate, uh, deleted out the entire event when I think it was somebody tried to drop a player. The entire event was gone. 
And we had to figure out, okay, is this a give us five minutes situation or is this a go get an early lunch situation? And until I had an indication of that, it's really hard for me to communicate that message to my players. And so at that point, I actually had to stop for a second and go, okay, I will know whether this is a give us five minutes situation or give us a lot longer situation in a few minutes. So at this point, I'm going to choose to withhold that information because I don't, A, I don't want to set a panic to these players. It's the first event on day one of this Magic Con. I don't want their day to start off necessarily terribly unless there's a really good reason for it. And so not instilling a panic there and waiting until you get a little bit of information so that when you do go to deliver that message, you have enough to be able to quell those concerns because... Yeah, not knowing and just sitting there twiddling your thumbs waiting, is this going to be five minutes? Is this going to be three hours? And not being sure of which it is, is a terrible feeling. Another difference between large events and small events is how information flows to you, the judge. Okay, at a small event, at your LGS, if something's wrong, you're probably involved in it. And if you're not involved in it, you can just walk right up to the scorekeeper or the TO and ask them the question. Not always, but but generally speaking. At a large event, if everyone goes and asks the scorekeeper the same question or the TO the same question, they will kill you. Okay. So <laughs> or 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 at least snarl at you as you get close. No, no. So, that death is definitely a possibility. Yeah. So they will Yeah, there so, are bodies buried. <laughs> What you want to do is you want to talk to your talk to your lead. Don't go to the scorekeeper and say like, "Hey, I got players asking a question." Go ask your lead. Your lead can then talk to the head judge. The head judge can talk to the scorekeeper, and then the head basically make a make the dissemination of information a pyramid scheme and <laughs> distribute distribute it that way because that way there's only like one or two people talking to the people actually doing work and. If any of you work in a corporate setting, getting status by your nine different managers when you're trying to get something done, you understand. Oh, yeah. yeah. And don't and don't fudge it. OK, don't look at that player. No. If you're if you're not the person that's in the immediate chain and if you still don't have an answer because behind the scenes, they're still working on it. Don't sit there and say, oh, it'll be five minutes or or I'm not sure, but it, it's probably OK to go for that, you know, go for that sandwich in the in the hall. Um, at the other end of the hall. What's really important there is to sit there and say, player, I don't know. I'm going to find out. I'll be right back. Um, and then go get the answer. Absolutely. You know, running around and giving false hope, giving misinformation, um, giving what you think is probably best or what they may want to hear because you didn't go and check first with your team lead is bad. Yeah. Yeah. There you're, you're making sure that you, just like any judge call, Finding the answer can be just as good as inherently knowing the answer. But telling a made-up answer that you hope is correct does nobody any good. And also keep in mind that there will be rumor, like you will say something along the lines of, uh, well, the scorekeepers told me that it'll be back at 1, or it'll be back up before 1 o'clock. Mm -hmm. And then a player comes up and says, well, the judges over there told us 2. So can we come back at two? That could mean that the players, you know, 
heard things incorrectly. It could also mean that the judge heard things incorrectly. It could also mean that there's an update to information that you don't have. So, you know, just say, all right, uh, I'm operating under the information that I'm aware of. What judge was it? Let me go talk to them and see if there's an update that I'm not aware of. Okay. And then go talk to your lead or go ask that other judge. Hey, did you tell them too? What's, what's up? Okay. But rumors <laughs> amongst judges, those are things that can happen. Like judges can start rumors when they start speculating and talking amongst themselves. So, you know, make sure that what yeah. you are saying comes from a definitive source. And if you hear rumors of something different, go figure out ground truth and then squash anything that's incorrect. And in that instance, actually, one thing that I really want to point out there is you're all on the same team, ultimately. Right. Like, it can be very easy to throw that other judge under the bus when you're confident you have the right information and say, oh, well, they didn't know. In fact, I'll dive into story time with Marcos for a second. The whole thing that got me focused in my judging career on making sure customer service uh, was a really big focus of mine came from one of the first Grand Prix I ever attended, which was Grand Prix Indian 2015. And I remember being on that side event hearing a judge who was actually one of my mentors getting me into the judge program, like one of the leaders in my local area. And I overheard him telling another player in the event I was playing in, oh, there was a screw up at the scorekeeper. I'll go figure out what's going on. And I heard that and I looked at him like, wait, that scorekeeper could have been me or any of the other mentors that are helping me get into the program and start working these bigger events. Why is it that you feel like you can throw that scorekeeper under the bus when you know, especially nowadays looking back on it, I know that scorekeeper was doing everything in their power to make sure things go smoothly. And so I think that highlights the idea of being really deliberate and intentional with your wording and your phrasing when you communicate to players really can carry a lot of weight. The idea of, oh, okay, let me go check in with that other judge who told you two o'clock and let's see if we can figure out what uh, is actually going on here goes a lot of different way than saying, Oh, really? Because I know that judge, and they're a jerk. I know what's going on. It's one. That's actually a really interesting point, and I think it kind of segues very well into the next topic, which we have tonight, which is talking about technology at larger events. Um, we all know that mm -hmm. Event Link and Companion are buzzwords. We also have MTG Melee now, uh, as well as you could be running something else if you're at an event that uh, is not a sanctioned event. What's really important these days, if you want to be good at customer service, if you want to be really well-rounded, is becoming an expert in the software that your players are going to have to use. Uh, just sending them to the stage for every issue that they have with Event Link or Melee is not great. If you can actually sit there with them at a table, go through how to navigate to fix an issue that they're experiencing, that's that's amazing. You know, players will really appreciate that time that you spend with them, um, and the stage will appreciate you for having answered a question um, that would take them away from doing one of their other duties. When I was at uh, a couple of different Magic Cons recently, <laughs> I've seen <laughs> different judges that are team leads that are well experienced stand there almost in the eye of a storm of players' questions and answer questions about how to work event link, how to log in, how to check the status of something, 
When is my event going to fire? How is my event going to show up on it on event link? Well, what event are you in player? Oh, that player is actually melee. You have to check melee. You have to know these things. You have to learn how to navigate the pages and you have to be able to use the language that the players are going to understand to do it. And every once in a while, you have to be able to understand that a player may not be able to do this. And you have to be able to sit there and say, okay, show me your phone and actually walk them through it. Maybe even do it for them the first time. Sometimes telling them isn't enough. Um, if a yeah, and I don't want to, I don't want to suggest that you take control of your phone or anything like that, but I've, I've seen one or two situations where the player is just that far out there that extending them that courtesy is a kindness. If you have the time to do it, I, I work in a library. My job at times is to help people navigate technology. And there are absolutely class of people out there that, and I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean that, you know, there's a group. There's a group of people out there that the word. Why did you just say group? Second, we talked about how wording yeah, and phrasing words, was important. Yeah, words, wording, important. <laughs> yes, there, there's a group of people out there <laughs> where when you say the word app, their eyes glaze over and they disconnect from the conversation because they have no ability to converse with you on that level past that point. They've reached the point where they no longer understand what you're talking about or how to interact with you. Uh, at one of the GP, at mm -hmm. one of the magic cons where I was helping somebody with their particular app. Um, it was their kid's phone. The kid was trying to enter the event. Um, they, they had no idea what event link was. They had the, the person that I was interacting with, they, they just didn't know. So you have to take that time sometimes as a judge, step outside of the role of taking calls, running to tables, um, a launching events, you have to step outside that role at large events and you have to be that, that X factor, that, that person that can do the extra job, go the extra mile and explain technology to people. Yeah. Don't, don't treat them like your mom asking how to hook up. It's Netflix is telling me my IP no, no. don't work. No, no. You be, know, be gracious, be gracious, <laughs> you, please. You start getting mad. Yeah. yeah. Don't do that. What, when it comes to that, like. Yeah, there's so much to that. I mean, one thing that comes to mind often, because I, I work in technology as well, and one thing that comes to mind, we all as judges have a lot of information. And ideally, that is why we're in that role to begin with, because we can help pass this information out, whether it be on judge calls or even just figuring out how to enter your code into event link. But then sometimes it really just comes down to making sure that you remember there's another human being on the other end of this call or on the other end of this question that I have to empathize with. And I always remember, I can't remember exactly where I heard this the first time. I wish I could give whoever told it to me the first time credit, but there's this phrase that I, I always go back to, which is people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Because you can speak all the judge jargon at them or tell them, oh, it's simple. T put in your code into event link and hit the little sandwich and join your event and you'll be ready. But they might not be able to hear that unless they can see that connection with you where you're listening to them, you're understanding where they're coming from and why, really understanding why this could be a problem for them when they might feel like they're the only person in this huge convention hall who's having this problem, which obviously they're not, but they may feel that way. Uh, also, one, th one thing to keep in mind that the knowledge that you have and the knowledge that the players have aren't the same thing. You as a judge are abnormal, okay? And I and I and I, I'll say that in a 
<laughs> in a good way? good way. That's a good way, in right, Brian? Way. Yeah, it's a good way. You're you're weird. Like you as a judge, if you're weird, you know things and you're going to make assumptions that the other person that you're talking to knows some of the same things. You can't mm-hmm. necessarily do that. Okay? No. But uh, at the same time you don't want to be like insulting and like, you know, judge explain uh something that the player's like, "Yes, I understand how that works." at least consider the fact that the person that you're talking to doesn't have the same amount of information. So if someone comes to you and says, hey, my, I can't find my event in the companion app, and you just say, you just kind of glance and you're like, oh, you just need to log in, and then you wander off, they might not know how to log in. So don't just assume that they know the thing to do the thing that you just told them. Actually, you know, oh, you just need to log in. Do you know how? Or... Maybe not say it like yeah. that. You say like, do you need you need to log you need to log in. Do you need help with that? Yeah. Or do you feel comfortable with that? Asking them that okay. way you know where you can meet them at. Right. Yeah. Right. And before we leave this topic entirely, because it's a fascinating topic, and we may even be able to work in a whole show on technology. To be perfectly honest, don't <laughs> sit there and blame the technology. The player doesn't care. The player mm-hmm. and all you're doing is wasting the player's time. It's no different than sitting there and and to use Marcus's example from a few minutes ago. It's no different difference than blaming the scorekeeper for an issue. Okay, if you're going to sit there and rail on about how melee doesn't support this particular function or event link might be down at the moment or or whatever piece of software that you're using, the player doesn't need that. The player needs a solution. And you need to be able to help provide that solution to the best of your ability. And if it's outside the realm of your ability because the technology is actually at an impasse in the moment, say, hold on, player. I'm going to get somebody to help you and work through it in that direction. Okay. One exception that's very important. If you are using Event Link and you have to repair around because Event Link does not allow the manual, <laughs> I should you know, have manually. This. Yeah. yeah, you should have. This is going to come. <laughs> it is. It is perfectly all right to tell all of the players that this is why the repair is going on, and if they would like, here is the email address to Wizards where they can write and request that Wizards add that function to Event Link, so that you don't have to do repairs anyway. Because us judges telling Wizards doesn't make a difference. I have a 2023 platform, and that is uh, one of the tent poles of my particular platform. So yeah, I have adopted right. it. I, I I am I am team. You got my vote. I am team preliminary on this one. I I'm just telling you that it is perfectly all right to throw wizards and event link under that bus. That bus is a fine bus to throw <laughs> wizards under. That's a fine absolutely. Bus. Yeah, absolutely because. Can confirm. Yes. All right. <laughs> so so don't and, blame don't blame the software unless you're just tired of it. <laughs> and I think okay. that kind of goes back to a point I, I made earlier, which was the idea that you are all a team and sometimes begrudgingly that includes you, that includes the other judges, and sometimes begrudgingly that includes the software as well. It's all just the front-facing aspect of whatever tournament I yeah. organizer put this event together, and you're all kind of on the same team and have to get through it together anyways. If the developers of that software felt the same way, you know, 
then maybe yeah. I could get by, then maybe I could get behind that. But then they say like, no, that's not in our development plan because T because uh, lies Tournament about integrity. Tio's abusing it. Yes, term integrity. I almost gave us an adult rating. <laughs> <laughs> not me. I almost, yes, I almost, I almost gave us an explicit tag. Okay, <laughs> kind kind All listener, right. kind listeners. It's probably never my fault when that happens, but when it does. Oh boy, it'll be a day. Yeah, you're probably yeah. going to invent some curse words. Yeah, but, yeah. <laughs> you know, and if they're bizarre enough, I might not have to give us an explicit tag. I'll <laughs> take that like... as the compliment that it was given. <laughs> oh my. Okay, so uh, we talked about technology and we've talked about uh, some of the key ideas of customer service at large events. Um, why don't we move into the next topic, which, um, let's see. It's remember that the customer isn't always right, right? Um, that's yeah. that that's an old expression, and it's really been truncated over time. Um, the old the real original expression, as I understand it, is the customer is always right in matters of taste. I.e., you know, the customer is right if they want a red car, give them the red car. Uh, but in in other matters, sometimes the customer isn't always right. Right? Yeah. Subjective reality versus actual reality are two different things entirely. Sure. When it comes to the customer not always being right, I think that's a philosophy that a lot of people, you're right, have adopted because that is kind of an analog or a mirror for people deciding that they're just going to be doormats to an angry customer or an angry player or somebody who's saying something didn't go my way and I need you to take care of it right now. The Karen player, if you will. And... Oftentimes, that's not really going to solve anything other than just lose you money, lose you respect, and have the overall tournament experience go towards the whim of whoever happens to shout the loudest. And that's not fun for anyone. Now, I equate this out to the, the there's a very common judge story that we tell as a, as a way of getting this across. And that is, you know, you're, you're about to start a tournament. Uh, you get the phone call. Uh, some player is going to be 10 minutes late. Do you start the tournament or do you hold the tournament for 10 minutes? And there's a number of different questions that you can ask there. But the first one is, is, is this player always the player that's 10 minutes late? And if that's the case, let's move on because they're holding up the other players from having a good time and getting started. That is one of the big things to remember about customer service is you, providing a service to one player may actually affect others negatively. Yeah, the greater good. What's that? <laughs> the greater good. <laughs> Keep in mind, the greater good. The greater good. The greater good. <laughs> so I will say that if at the large events, if you are a floor judge and you are dealing with a customer, they falsely believe that they're correct okay or they're just upset mm -hmm. yeah. you have you have a wonderful ability that you might not have at your lgs which is to hand them off to the tournament organizer you know that sounds like a serious that sounds like a legitimate concern or that sounds like a problem let's go talk to the to or their representative or the stage staff or something along those lines especially if it's something that you're not empowered to do and you realize that the players just ain't going to let this go. 
And oftentimes you have a very clear definition of what you're empowered to do and what you're not empowered to do, or, or more specifically, what you're, what you're not empowered to do. Um, there will often be guidelines that are given to you, uh, and we've gotten more explicit the further into the Magic Con series uh, with what you can, can and can't do. When I went to work for SCG, there was also a clear line of what I was empowered to do at the time and what I was not empowered to do to the time. And that's working for anybody. That's a little that some people may think of that as constricting. I find it freeing because it means that I don't have to make that difficult decision. I can give it to somebody else and they can make the difficult decision. Absolutely. Stay in your lane. And when in doubt, bring them to somebody whose pay grade it is to actually handle this particular type of situation, if we're going to look at the kind of corporate structure there. (laughs) But then also you have things like, so let's say that's talking about some players who are going to come at you really aggressive, really upset about something. There might be times where you're trying to figure out, okay, I need to get you an answer to something that is a legitimate problem. Let's say they're coming at you with a great attitude and they're just looking for help. But sometimes what they're looking for help for or what they're trying to address isn't actually the real problem. And you kind of have to learn to read between the lines of what they're asking you. You know, how often do we in a judge call ask ourselves, okay, when a player asks me, will this do what I think? What is it they're actually asking me there? It's not will this do what I want? It is, does this rule of card A interact with card B in a way that is advantageous to me in this particular game situation on this board state? But they don't quite know how to ask that in a way that we can necessarily give them the right answer, especially if you're at competitive or professional REL. You can't necessarily go, does this work the way I want to and actually answer that question the way they want you to. So you kind of have to learn to navigate around that question a little bit and find what the actual concern is. It's no different than an investigation. You know, you have to listen to mm-hmm. what they're telling you. You have to repeat back what your understanding is of what they're telling you. And then you have to ask them, is that correct? You know, you have to mm-hmm. give them the opportunity to get it right. And sometimes, oftentimes, they'll sit there and say, no, 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 that's not what I'm asking. I'm asking this. And as you converse and as you go back and forth, you narrow it down to the exact ask, the item that is bothering them in the moment. And when you reach that moment of clarity, sometimes you realize, hey, uh, especially at a large event, I don't have to take them to see this stage. I have to take them to see this person at the booth outside or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, There's because there's so many different paths understanding what the player really really needs saves everybody a lot of time especially you because you're probably going to be the person walking them to point a to point b um, unless it's a very clear line of sight i can send them right there and they're agreeing they understand where they're going yeah that's one of the advantages of the banners like a lot of the events have where they'll have like the blue red banner and the blue the big yellow banner the big blue banner yeah you can just point and say like that blue you know where's my event meeting at that blue banner right over there. You see it? Good. But with respect to the judge call where you were asking about them asking a particular rule situation, um, just a real easy way to handle that if you get into a situation where they're asking you a question you can't answer is just saying, all right, um, that particular question gets a little bit too much into strategic advice. I can't actually answer that. But if you can ask me a rules question, 
then or what's the rules interaction that you have a question about or something along those kind of those lines then that causes them to go oh i guess i kind of was asking for strategic advice <laughs> let me ask ask a question that you're letting them know what your constraints are or or they'll look at you definitely yeah, or they'll look at you and say hey <laughs> okay i get it now thanks judge and go back to playing their game oh that's the worst <laughs> That's the absolute worst. <laughs> the, what, is, them playing Magic? <laughs> yeah, so advice to players. This is uh, something Jared Silva once said in a, in a conference that I'll never forget. It's, it's, it's as a player, if you, if you uh, ask the judge a question and then the judge doesn't leave after answering, oh, yeah, ask yeah, yeah. another ask question. Ask another question. Right, and if the player asks you something complicated and then before you answer, they're like, oh, I get it. Don't go anywhere. No, because because <laughs> what's going to happen is nothing changed. Get like, yeah, you're going to get like three steps away, and then there's going to be a judge call, and you're going to do that quick 180, and one <laughs> step back, and you're right back, and you did the thing, didn't you? Yeah, so. you did. Yeah, active listening will help there. Really being engaged with the person in front of you and making sure that you're really listening to the root concern that they're having, not necessarily the symptoms they're describing or the long roundabout way they're taking to get there. So we have some things to cover about actual logistics and the the different things that happen with a large event that don't happen at a store. Um, at a store, oftentimes when a player asks you for help and you need to take them someplace, it's five steps away to the counter at the front of the store. Um, with large events that's not always the case is it not so much why is that the case yeah there because when you have to fit anywhere between 300 to 10,000 people into the same place to play magic there's just no way to keep all of that within line of sight of each other and actually have anybody have any space to move around freely without bumping into other people uh you just have to work within the space that you're given to really find where you need to go and how to lay out things. And that's not going to necessarily be the easiest line of sight ever. And, and and it's even more complicated when you talk about a convention hall. Um, while I hope that MagicCon Philly won't be the standard, there were, what, four or five main areas where players could be, not even including the Pro Tour, that were different rooms, you know? Yeah, Some, sometimes things entirely. Right. Sometimes things are just not there um uh, some of the help for the the bigger problems were actually outside of the main tournament hall and you had to either direct players out there or go with them i don't think that that particular aspect of the logistics will change much because lost and found and so forth uh those are going to be better consolidated in one spot where where they're dealing with it but um directing players and sending them someplace Sometimes you can't even see it. Yeah. Sometimes you can't even find your way there on your own. I mean, if we go back to, for example, Magic 30, there were things that were happening, for example, signings and people who were there that were in a different building entirely that you had to go up an elevator, make sure you get off at the right floor and hope that you found where this person happened to be. And sometimes because of the scale of these large events, there's no avoiding that. You might have to work between different buildings, different rooms, different convention halls. Even at Philly, you had everything laid out in a big circle, meaning you couldn't see more than one or two stages because 
they were all around this big central hub. And instead of just creating a problem here, let's talk about the solution as well. And part of that is before you come to the event, spend time looking at the maps provided for the for the larger events. There, there are literal maps that show you where everything is. Take a minute. Learn that stuff. Keep it on your phone in, in an accessible place so that you can call it up quickly if you're asked. Because you can't be expected to know where all of it is. But having a quick resource to it or having a quick link to it is, is a really good uh, bit of preventative action that you can take. Because turns out sending a player to the wrong corner of the venue is probably not a good example of customer service. It's kind of bad. Not so much. Now, now something on smaller scale for these large events, if there is a judge call, uh, something that very early on uh, in my career at these large events, when someone would call for a judge, I would see the judge move towards them, and the judge would actually hold up their hand. And I kind of wondered, you know, first events, I was like, why are they doing that? And what they're, what they're doing is, is because when the player just calls for a judge, they just raise their hand, call for a judge, and then they look around, Okay. Well, mm-hmm. someone walking with their hand in the air, walking towards you, is going to draw your attention when you're doing, like, the 360 look. And then once eye contact has been made, that hand can come down, okay? But mm-hmm. they know they know that they've just called for a judge, looked around, and they see that someone's coming and that someone has acknowledged them. And they're not just sitting there waiting, like, is someone going to show up? Because turns out in a crowd, we kind of all look the same. Um, the old black shirts, uh, one of the complaints, which was kind of surprising because the whole reason for the black shirts was so that we kind of blended in and we were in the background. But one of the one of the complaints in, you know, like 2016, 2017 was even though the floor could have a lot of judges, we just weren't seen. So it felt like there weren't judges on the floor. So mm-hmm. that's kind of a, a, a an interesting takeaway where the color of your shirt can impact of the perception of customer service or the availability of customer service. I think but, we should all yeah, just be a room issued. full of black t-shirts. Right. Yeah. Shocker. Turns out magic players like, uh, black shirts. <laughs> I think you know, we should, I think we know. should all just be issued neon Stetsons and be done with it. You know, or just throw on a backpack. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And grow to <laughs> grow neck beards. And then we we completely blend in. Um, or if you want to go the opposite route, instead of your neon shirts, just tie balloons to us. That that that's not a bad idea. I know that's a that, horrible idea. I've heard that idea every once no. in a while, and I, I I'm really interested in trying it's, that out at an event. No, I might I might no. do that. I wouldn't, Brian. I, th- Brian, I think I'm, I think I'm going to do it's it, and box. I think I think I'm going to tell them. Brian told me I could do it. <laughs> Only if we have a Mario Kart style where we can <laughs> knock off balloons from each other to take each other's levels or something like that. That would be fun. Oh oh, I would. <laughs> I would do that. I would absolutely. See, so you just have to rope him in. Okay. So, quick aside, because I was thinking about like shooting the balloons and stuff like that. My first year, this is out of college. I am, I am big boy corporate job. My manager had to tell us to quit shooting rubber bands at each other because the housekeeping kept breaking vacuum cleaners, sucking all the rubber bands up off the floor. <laughs> This was a real job that I was getting paid real big boy dollars to work. And my manager had to say, quit shooting rubber bands at each other. And my first big boy job, I had to be told to stop shooting Nerf guns at each other. So, yeah, it's just 
Sec- yeah, second nature so out of college. You're, you're using them <laughs> wrong. To this day, staff members will still bring rubber bands to me and then point in a direction and I'll go hunting. So, I, so I'm, I'm serious. I kill flies with rubber bands. So, um, yes, I Brian's earlier statement that I Charles, is, Charles is weird yeah. is true. I am absolutely the weirdest person in the room. Anyway. Uh, all right. Anyway. Um, yeah. <laughs> on that note, so back to logistics. Yeah, at, at these big events, it is very important to not necessarily is to make sure that the player understands where they are going to go. As we mentioned earlier, it might be as simple as saying the blue, you know, go report to the blue banner. But it might be if you need to take them to Lost and Found, you might actually have to walk with them to Lost and Found because they might not know where it is. Nowadays, there's a lot of like banners and labels and stuff like that that you should be able to like. You know, you might be able to point at things, but if the if the banner is low, maybe not visible, then walk them to the point where they can see where they are going to go. Oh gosh. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and that's that's terribly important. With Lost and Found also, let's talk about the flip side of it for two seconds, because this is probably the great best time to do it. If you find something, return it to the main stage or to wherever you're told to return it. But before you do that, write down where you found it so that when you return it, you can yes. say, you can say, I found this at table 325 because that player will come up to the lost and found and say, I was at table 325. I swear they'll do it. They know where they were. And it mm-hmm. makes reuniting the person with their items so much easier. And... It's pinnacle customer service because you have gotten the item back in the person's hands that they have lost. Um, it's it's the best thing that you can do. Please make sure you write down where the table number is and and turn in the items to the stage as quickly as possible. Yeah, definitely. Sorry, side note, now, but on the, I thought it was side, important. No, that's that's super important. Now, on the flip side, think about when, uh, like we've discussed earlier in this episode. You're now sitting on a box of product, maybe multiple boxes of product. So there's no way you can even lift it into your hands and walk around with it to help somebody. And you get that same question of, oh, how do I get to lost and found in this maze of a room? How far, literally, how far do you go to help that player out to get to the next, uh, to the next point in their journey where they can actually get the help they need, Smog especially if you're not able not to do leave. it in the moment? Smog does not leave his mountain. Yeah, yeah. Judge, <laughs> you you yell for another judge, and you get them to you task them with helping the person. Yeah, you don't yeah. you don't leave product behind. Nope, absolutely. I will I will crouch on that, and I think there's a story that I have told, and I think every time I tell it, I end up editing it out of the podcast, but. We can try um, one more time. <laughs> I'm going to try one more. I'm going to try a very, Run it very abbreviated. I'm going to try a very abbreviated uh, uh, situation. There was an event where the judge had a box of deck lists and he left them on a trash can. This oh my is God. he left them no. on a trash can to go to go deal with a deck check for a player way down yonder and while he oh, was no. gone what do you think i'm gonna say next well the the venue uh tends to clean up uh <laughs> periodically and i would imagine somebody came along and uh cleaned up that particular trash can and took all yes. those deck lists 
Yes, they did. Yeah. Those deck lists <laughs> disappeared. And and by the time I got involved and I'm looking around and I see this this old guy that looks like Rusty from Futurama puttering around the back of the room and I go talk to him and <laughs> find out I was, <laughs> the I was imagery just like, is amazing. Yeah, and it it, it, it was it was uh um Hey, was there was there a was there a box? Do you, did you have you been emptying these trash cans? Yep. All right. Do you remember seeing a, a stack of papers, like a box of papers on the? Nope. Uh, well, there was a box. <laughs> I was like, ah, a box. Yes, yes, it, yes. So there was a box of box of papers on top of the trash can. He's like, yep. I told him not to put anything on the trash if they didn't want to throw. It. Uh, yes, I agree. Absolutely. Yes. Um, <laughs> where is that box? what happened to the box he's like well I, I took it and i was like okay good yes can you take me to can we go get that box and he goes nope it's already in the incinerator i was just like no <laughs> you you get one it's pg-13 go ahead yep yep it was i just kind of was like uh welp um you know, so, so in a case turn. like that, let, let, just for because here's your moment. This is this is this is the chance because you've told it two or three times before. You've edited it out of the show. <laughs> How do you fix that? Because that's what we're here for. And and so here's here's the the reason why it's been. Uh, I think it's been edited out is because I gave a, a more information this time. I was deliberately a little bit vague. Um, we. Mm-hmm pretended that we still had the deck lists for the rest of the event yep and you still did deck checks because when you do deck we checks absolutely still because, did deck because checks, when yes. you do deck checks you're not just checking whether or not the lists match the deck right you're checking oh. all of these other things so so you right. did that and yeah. then i assume it had a top eight right oh yeah so when you did the top eight and you pulled the decks before the top eight did you kind of? There was no cover. Uh, there was no coverage, and this particular event had a draft top eight. Oh, brilliant! There you go. Yeah. So solves it itself. Was, okay. Problem solved. Right. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. There, but it was just it was it was. But when you say when we say like don't leave the stuff, things can happen to it. Things it things can. really can. Yeah. It can yeah. things. Things have gone disappeared, have disappeared off of carts. Boxes of deck lists have gone, have just skedaddled. Um, it, it does happen, and it might only be like one in a million, but enough. there's enough events and enough players and enough situations where one in a million is still going to happen <laughs> several times. So, so there are two lessons here, oh, right? Oh, goodness. Right? Well, maybe more, but there, there are two main lessons here. Uh, lesson number one is is no matter how bad things are, you can still figure out a way, right? And mm-hmm. and lesson two here is uh, customer service sometimes means still doing the job even if you don't have all the pieces. Yeah, pay no attention to the deck list behind the curtain. Yeah, yeah, p- f- yeah. fake it because you can't make it. <laughs> <laughs> but that's a really good point though, because as as roundabout that as that is. There's nothing else you can do, and that event still has to go on. And sometimes you have to grin, you have to bear it, and you just have to yeah. keep going because yeah. that positivity has to be there. It, yeah, in this specific in this specific event, where, where it was also additionally problematic, was it was a sealed because I said there was a top eight draft. It was a sealed event. Mm-hmm. 
So like yeah. people adding, if we, if we, if people got, you know, a whiff that deck lists were missing. Well, I have a feeling that mm-hmm. a lot of people were going to suddenly have like, you know, a whole mess of rares in their decks. So yeah. Anywho. Yeah. Amazing. So I think we've covered a lot of the topics here, yeah. but th- there's a whole section here about, about the human connection. And, and what are some of the things that you want to talk about here? I mean, ultimately, the biggest thing, and I think the underlying focus in everything that we've been talking about is making sure that we're addressing the humans that are in front of us. We have people who are coming here to play Magic, who it is our job to help ensure that they have a good time playing Magic. That is usually every large tournament organizer's number one priority. Are people having fun? And enjoying this to the point where they're going to want to come back and do it again. And it's up to us to make sure that we embody that fun that they're supposed to be having. Even when the deck lists get literally lit on fire, (laughs) we still have to embody the fun and the joy and the excitement that that player, that customer, came here to experience over that weekend. Regardless of whatever else happens in the event, if any of you ever see me at an event, just watch me whenever things get a little slow or, you know, things might get a little bit more stressed or anything like that. I'm always the first one to start randomly breaking out into like a Ric Flair strut across the aisle or just some silly dance just to keep energy and positivity up because I want people around me to keep that fun energy and that positivity there because that's infectious and that's what I want my players to see. Not me sitting there grumbling in the corner of like, oh, I can't believe somebody left those decklists on the garbage. Nothing like that. I was laughing. <laughs> in the back. Away you have from to. the play. You have to. Yeah. Um, I, I, I will say keep keeping keeping it fun, but keep in mind that you do want to keep it fun with an air of of professionalism. Like a Ric Flair strut in North Carolina is absolutely okay they love the nature boy um however keep keep in mind that you are still trying to maintain an air of professionality like you you can be fun and professional at the same time hey the doctor runs his mm-hmm. train on time every time we get things done and we have a lot of fun doing it so the doctor being <laughs> okay i'm just gonna the doctor is goof, goofy silly fun for unevents that is made something special because that is not you are not running around on the floor uh, regional championship in a lab coat. Oh heck right? no, 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 yeah, right. It's it's right. not it's not the time and place. There, there's a time right. and a place for yeah. the fun, but even even I think the point is is even when you are wearing you know your your judge uniform, whatever it may be that day. Um, even when you're running a comp relevant, uh, even when you're working with a team of teams, you know, making sure that the event's running on time, you can still have time to smile. You can still have time to interact with people around you, ask players um, how the event's going for them, um, you know, talk to people. It, it doesn't have to just be, you know, you sit in a corner and mumble to yourself. Com- comment on people's playmats. You know, absolutely. Uh, while they're yeah. shuffling up, you know, hey, that's a really cool play, Matt. Where'd you get it? Or listen to someone's bad beats, bad beat story, or that kind of thing. Like you can be personable because, again, going back to 
what I said at the very beginning is I a lot of times I view the customer as the tournament organizer and my product is happy players. So getting the players to talk and have a good time and show them that I'm, you know, a human also. I think there was there was like one event walked up and the players asked how they decided uh, how to decide who went first. And I and I was just like, oh, uh, Pokemon battle with your Nintendo switches. You all have them, right? And seven of the players <laughs> did. And there was just this big laugh because I called it correct. Um, you know, so it's just so you can you can be goofy. You can be fun. Uh, they didn't actually do a Pokemon battle. Um, yeah. So and I think there the attitude is the big thing, not necessarily uh, full follow through. Because, for example, when I was working on the unknown event at MagicCon Philly, that was something where it was a completely exciting and similar to an un event. You had an air of like, wow, there's something wild going on here. It's clearly not a competitive REL event there. So yeah, I started embodying that I was a Phyrexian sleeper agent and, you know, poking fun at all the people who happened to be Mirans in that event. But it was there because they happened to be in a long line at that point. And it was either that or they stand there grumbling because they're not going on to their next match fast enough. And sometimes you kind of have to reset that that emotional clock that a player is having because of maybe the realities or the logistics of the event with something that reminds them what fun they can be having instead in the moment. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We had um we had an SCG event on Easter Sunday one day down here in Florida and we bought bunny ears for the team leads and we delivered the match slips to the players in the feature match areas in a basket with the slips in Easter eggs <laughs> with candy in the eggs. And if you got deck checked, you also got eggs with candy in them. That's amazing. Right. And so like that's a that is a silly thing to do that was also, you know, somewhat professional. Now where we got a little unprofessional is we did hide some eggs in the venue and maybe like there was like one player we put it in in the in their hoodie back. So when they put their hoodie up the egg <laughs> you know <laughs> We got a oh, little. No, they got splattered yeah, with chocolate. Well, it wasn't like a real egg, but it was. It, we, oh, we went a little far. We could have pulled that back a little bit, but you know, the parts yeah. at the beginning that I told you about was all perfectly fine. <laughs> um, yeah. and I mean, think back to the first time you went to any of these big events, because like I remember when I first went, it was when I was first trying to become a judge, and I was like, hey, if I'm trying to work some of these big events. I want to go experience what these big events run like right now. So how can I be a part of that system? And I remember going to that first big event and being in awe at the scale of it. Like going from your first FNM or doing regular FNM at a local game store where you have maybe 20, 30, maybe as many as 50 people at your FNM. Holy cow, that's so huge. And then you walk into a hall with thousands of Magic players. 1,500 of them playing. That's a lot. 1,500 of them playing in the same event at the same time. It's 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 yeah. mind boggling. It really is. It's astonishing, and especially for where I think these type of large convention events like Magic Cons, like SCG Con, like uh, some of these bigger events where you're running a lot of side events and really having some more of a convention feel for it, you want to keep some of that fun there, and you want to keep that connection to the players because they, a lot of them, this may be their first big event ever. Because all they've done is play Arena through the pandemic and really got into it, and now they're here. And they, heck, they may not even know 
that you need opaque sleeves for your double face cards, even if it's a regular REL event or not. And it's these little things that if you can find those ways to connect with them and keep things positive, keep that fun energy that you want them to maintain maintain throughout the whole weekend, but still keep in mind what you have to do to make sure that their weekend goes as well as it can. That's going to be the best thing for everybody there, the tournament organizer, for you, for the player. It's just going to make magic happen. No pun intended. No, no. That's that's the whole idea, right? And and when you're doing that and when you're interacting with people and when you're walking around the room and when you're when you're looking at each individual person, when you see that dazed and confused look that does happen, walk up mm-hmm. and say, hey, player, or hey, friend, how can I help you? And if they're fine, they're fine. They'll just move on. Um, but sometimes, you, a lot of times, you'll catch them in a moment where they're confused about where they need to be, uh, where they are having a problem with their app, where they have not been able to locate their friend. Um, and maybe you can help them in the moment, maybe you can't, but it's that human connection that makes customer service work. Uh, and being that person for them in the moment is, is very important. All right. So I think that kind of wraps it up. Yeah. Yeah, That's a nice little bow on the idea. Yeah. Uh, generally we do a nice little closeout here and I'm trying Mm -hmm. to think of timing because, uh, what I want to say is. Is all right. That's our episode. Well, hang, hang on, hang on. No, nope, not yet. Mar- Marcos, Marcos, mm-hmm. thank you, thank you for joining yes. us. Oh yes. Is, is there anything you want to plug or anything before we uh, before we sign off? Oh boy, um, not a lot that I'm currently putting out there in the world. But if anybody wants to interact with me on social medias of varying degrees of dumpster fires, uh, I'm gonna be MJ Six Music pretty much everywhere on the internet. I don't post very much. I'm not a a social media butterfly necessarily, but I'm around. I'm keeping an eye on things and judging people appropriately. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Cool, cool. Now I'm allowed. Now I can do it. Now I can do the thing. I mean, you were allowed allowed before. It was just, you know, rude. Uh, Marcus, I want to thank you for reaching out to me at the uh, SCG event. It it was a great talk. It's always fun working with you, and I look forward to a chance to work with you again in the future. So um, I appreciate that, Doctor. Hey, Doctor. Uh, <laughs> all right, that's our episode. Join us next time when we probably talk about the next set. Um, I'm thinking that that's where the timing probably. will work. Uh, yeah. If not, we'll, we don't have to. If not, we'll have a different topic. Uh, we don't have to be nailed down no, by no, these no. rules no. and structure, man. No. We're just going to go with the flow. No. Um, it, <laughs> on that note, we are edging ever closer to episode 300. Uh, if you are listening and if you would like to see us do something crazy, like uh, string Brian up by his toenails or... Keep it to yourself. <laughs> or something else. <laughs> Uh, or if you have a great idea, let us know. Yeah. And you can do that by emailing us at judgecast at gmail.com or like us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter at judgecast. Until then, I'm Charles Feather and I keep it fair. I'm Marcos Sanchez and I keep it fun. I'm Brian Prilliman and I keep it in the incinerator. 